Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. Well, it's that time of year again. It is graduation time, and so seniors from high school and from college are graduating all across the country. Finally, over this year of COVID, maybe it's the last year, maybe it's not. I don't know. It's been a challenging and difficult year. So we're actually going to hit pause on our series about Calvinism, um, mainly because uh, the episode for this week actually isn't ready yet. Um, we had some technical difficulties, meaning uh, somebody, I won't name the person's name, deleted the file we were supposed to use. And so I had to kind of recreate that. So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll air that next week. That'll be all set for next week. But this week, we're going to air this challenge, a graduation challenge to all the graduates out there. And it's from uh, someone who I, I'm looking forward to. Uh, Michael Powers is the youth pastor at Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. And Michael has been a blessing to me. I've known him now for over a decade. He's come and done chapel for me several times. And his messages are always powerful. They are challenging, they're convicting, and they are intensely biblical. So uh, he's been a just an incredible shot in the arm uh, to me and my ministry at Rock County. And I've always said, if I ever had kids, I'd want him, I'd want them in, in Michael's youth group. And lo and behold, now that I have kids, they are in Michael's youth group, and he's been a blessing in that way as well. So I'm, I'm sure you are going to get a blessing from this. So if you have, you know a graduate in your life, share this with him or her, and uh, you know what? Listen to it yourself. It's going to be good. So uh, this is Pastor Michael Powers and his challenge to this year's graduates. It is an indescribable honor to be able to speak to you seniors today, and so I just wanted to say thank you for this opportunity. I want to leave you with a challenge as you turn the pages in this next chapter in your life. Number one, you have a huge spiritual battle ahead of you as you walk out of this school today. The question I have for you is, are you going to be a 10 percenter? What I mean by that is, are you going to stay strong in this next chapter of your life, or are you going to be like the statistics say about 85 to 90 percent of Christian teenagers graduate from their faith when they graduate from high school? I used to believe that statistic, but the more I do youth ministry, the more I realize from Scripture that teens don't fall away from their faith. They never had a faith to begin with to fall away from that they were playing at their Christianity. And so ask yourself, what is my relationship with Christ outside any religious gathering? Who am I when the crowds go away? If you take away every small group, every church service, every gathering, every prayer meeting, every youth group event, every Bible class, every chapel, what does your relationship with Christ look like outside of those times? If your faith is based on your church, or your parents, or your grandparents, or your school, then you are going to be in trouble when you go out into the world. But if your faith is based on your personal daily relationship with Christ, then you're going to make it. And if you have not developed that personal daily relationship with Christ, you have all summer to do that. It takes about 24, 25 days to make a habit. And if you begin to spend daily time in God's word and praying to him, By the end of the summer, you'll have a really good habit to take into your next chapter of your life. There's a spiritual battle going on, and the enemy will have swords and spears and wicked-looking pikes, and they're going to come after you with hideous screams. 
And if you don't have that relationship with Christ on a daily basis, you're running into that battle in your undies with no weapons and no armor. And they're going to eat you up. For the first time in your life, no one's going to be looking over your shoulder and keeping tabs on you. And you're going to have the thought and the feeling of, whoa, nobody at this college really even knows that I'm a Christian. And you are going to have some temptations to do some things that you know that you should not do. And no one knows who you are, and no one's looking over your shoulder anymore. And now you're making these decisions for yourself. You might say, I just want to try this just once. I know it's wrong, but I just want to experience it just once. And besides, my, my testimony will be so much greater if I can just have some stories of things that I shouldn't have done. Let me give you an example of that. We knew a young lady years ago, grew up in a Christian home, was a Christian teenager, and when she went to college, she said to herself, there are some things I want to do just to kind of get out of my system. And she made a deal with God. She said, God, I'm going to do these things. I know they're wrong, but I promise you that when I'm done with college, I will follow you. And so she began to sleep around with multiple guys. And when she got out of college, she married a great Christian man, started following Jesus with all of her heart. And then in her early 30s, she comes back from a doctor's appointment and she finds out that she has HPV. Cervical cancer caused from a sexually transmitted disease. And she died. And she left a husband. And she left two kids behind. See, God forgives us, but he doesn't take the consequences away. And so I'm just going to implore you, have the fast-forward button on your remote control. And before you make a decision, fast-forward and say, what consequences will I might, that I might face if I do this? Because I don't want you to have any wasted years. See, God is not a fun sucker. God wants to save you from a lot of pain and heartache. And when we do things God's way, it's amazing how things can turn out. Before you head off to college, if you're going to college, have you checked out the campus ministries yet? If you're going to be far enough away from your home church, have you looked at a good Bible-believing church in the area that you're going because if you don't do that this summer, I guarantee you, you're not going to probably do it when you get there. And you're going to fall away. And you're not going to have anybody keeping you accountable. And so check those things out. And when you're tempted to do the things that you know you shouldn't do and no one's looking over your shoulder, remember who you are. You are a king's kid. And act accordingly. The second thing is that you have a huge cultural battle ahead of you. You have to decide whether or not to believe the lie that your society has been telling you. The world's philosophy is chasing after you. It is screaming out its message to you. The world's message is to pursue success, to pursue what makes you happy. And whoever dies with the most toys wins. Think about the American dream. See if this is not what your culture teaches you. All the way through school, you are supposed to do your best. And I get that. As a king's kid, you should do everything with excellence. But you're going to get, you get so stressed out. All of these AP-type classes, all of this volunteer work, everything so you can get into a good college, and you finally get into the college, and you spend four years doing the exact same thing, and then you get out of college, and sometimes you're $100,000-plus in debt. And then you get married. 
And then you look at your neighbor and your neighbor has two cars, you only have one. Oh, we might need two cars. And maybe even you have to buy a boat. You don't even live near a river or a lake, but that's what everybody does. And so you get caught up in the rat race. And you work and you work and you work overtime and more overtime to pay off all this debt that you are getting into. And you have kids, precious kids, that are looking at you and saying, Mom, Dad, I just want to spend time with you. And you have no time. And so you give them material things. And by the time your kids get out of school, they feel bitter. And you realize that you've messed up. And when they have, grand, when they have kids and you have your grandkids, you do a better job. And your kids look and you say, where was that dad when I was growing up? Where was that mom? And then finally, as you slave away at this job that you probably don't even like, but you took it because it makes a lot of money, and at the end, and you retire, and the world says, now it's time to live. You're 65 years old, and you're being told, now it's time that you can live. And they encourage you to spend all the money you've saved on yourself. That's what the culture is telling you. Don't fall into that trap. Are you willing to trust the God of the universe with this? If you listen to the world's message and live for yourself, you'll find a selfish cycle that will get you nowhere. Jesus said in Matthew 16, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find life. In Philippians 2, 3 through 5, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regarding one another as more important than yourselves, and do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Culture will tell you, pursue power, pursue money, and pursue success. However, God is relentlessly chasing after you. And God's message is simple, pursue me. And when you do that, you will pursue significance. Do you want a successful life in the eyes of the world? Or do you want a significant life that sends amazing ripples out across time for Jesus Christ? You are never more alive than when you are giving yourself away to other people Trust me, that's how God has wired us as humans. Live for yourself, you will feel empty and disillusioned. At first, it will feel like it satisfies, but it will be like a helium balloon that just puffs up your pride. Live for Christ, serve others, and you will feel more alive than you ever have. Three, instead of pursuing the selfish cycle, make sure God is the center of your life. 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. Think about this logically. Do you trust the God of the universe with your life? The author of your story. The one who designed you and shaped you and formed you. The one who says in his words, in his word, I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up, I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image, and in me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you before you were even conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb. Are you going to trust that author or are you going to write your own story? Are you going to say, I know better than God how to run my life. 
I, puny mortal, who has lived for an incredible 17 or 18 years on this earth, I know better than the eternal God. There is incredible security in knowing that God has already gone ahead of you. Four, discover how God has shaped you. God has shaped you for something significant. You are an original masterpiece. You are not a carbon copy of anyone else. And he puts you on this earth and he has a plan and a purpose. And when you think of the word shape, S for spiritual gifts, H for heart, A for abilities, P for personality, and E for experience. Spiritual gifts, how has God gifted you? See, the Bible says that when you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that not only does the Holy Spirit come and live inside of you, but God grants you spiritual gifts. See, the world, when you get gifts, that gift is for you and for you to use. When God gives you a spiritual gift, it's not for you to use. It's for you to open up and to use for others. Your heart. In other words, what do you love to do? What is it that you love to do in life that makes your heart beat faster? How has God wired you in such a way that when you're doing them, it feels like all is well with the world? What are you passionate about? Find a job that you love to do and you will never work another day in your life because you're doing what God has called you to do. I can't tell you how many adults that are doing and stuck at a job that they hate, but they do it because they love their family. And say to yourself, is that really what you want? Or do you want to do something that God has called you to do? And when you're doing it, not only is God touching the lives of other people, but you'd almost do the job for no money. I'm not suggesting you do that. But that's how much you would love that job. I remember one time I had a parent who came up to me and said, my husband and I want you to talk to our daughter because we believe that she should do this for her career and they named what she should do. But our daughter wants to do this for her career and we just want you to talk some sense into her. And I told that parent, I said, I'll talk to your daughter, but I'm probably going to tell her something different than you want because I'll probably tell her, is that how God has wired you? Is that what God is calling you to do in your life? And you do it with all of your heart. Find how God has wired you. Or abilities. What natural abilities or talents do you have? I know I have a natural ability in communication. Some of you may say, nah, not really. But I know that as a youth pastor, I could get away with just communicating and telling funny stories and inspiring people with chicken soup for the soul type of stories and Disney endings And I might last for a couple of months, but there would be no spiritual power coming out of me. And people would come and go, and there would be no life change. Take the amazing abilities that God has given you and use them for Christ. Your personality. Where does your personality best suit you to serve? I'm sure this never happens at Christian schools, but I remember growing up in public schools, and I remember I had some teachers that didn't like kids. And in my little elementary school mind, I'm like, huh, how does this happen? Oh, I want to be a doctor, but I hate the sight of blood. Hmm, I really don't like spending time with kids. Oh, I'll be a teacher. 
And like I said, I'm sure that that's never happened to you. But all of us have those abilities and that personality. What has God wired you to do? And then experience. Some of you have had some really painful experiences already in your young life. And I want to tell you something. God always recycles our pain. He never wastes a hurt. Some of those things that you've gone through have molded you and shaped you to who you are today. And God is saying, I can mold you and shape you more. And so I've got some good news, bad news. You're living your life for Christ. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And God uses pain to teach us things in life. But I guarantee you 10, 15, 20 years from now, you will have somebody come to you and they'll reach out to you for help and they will say the exact same thing that you've gone through. And God will whisper into your ear, he said, that's why you did it. Because now you can look at that person and say, I understand what you're going through. And let me tell you what God did for me. And lastly, do you believe that God wants to use you to do something great? Do you really believe that? At the age of 15, I told God that not only was I willing to do whatever he wanted to do with my life, but I told him I want to do something so huge that if you don't show up, I can't do it on my own. Don't you dare dream small dreams for God. Dream so, dreams that are so big that only if God shows up and works in your life do you accomplish it. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. I'll end with this. Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In many ways, you are leaving one life for another. You're becoming young men and women who are forging ahead for your careers and your dreams. But hear these words. Whatever you do, do it with God. You are talented, very talented young men and women, and apart from God, you could succeed pretty well in how the world says and measures success. But you might never glimpse all that you could be, all that you were created to be. All the success and triumph in the world is worth very little if you live it apart from your Heavenly Father. And so make this journey... Set out into the unconquered territory you face with passion and courage and integrity and you will change the world for Jesus Christ. When you walk hand in hand with God, nothing can stop you and you will be history makers and world changers and you will raise children that are history makers and world changers and you will have great, great, great grandchildren that are history makers and world changers. And at the end of your incredibly significant life, you will enter eternity and hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the house of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just want to lift up these young people to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that out of this group, that you will raise up people who will make an incredible difference in the world for you, that you will raise up people that will have conversations from the everyday to even their careers, Lord, that will matter for eternity. Lord, I thank you for this school. I thank you for this holy ground. I thank you for all the people that have come before that have sacrificed so much so that these students could get a Christian education. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Thank you, Michael, for that. And I, that was a blessing to me. And I know it's going to be a blessing to you and the graduates you know in your life. So our recommended resources um, 
this week is going to, I'm going to give you some links so you can find out more about Pastor Powers, his uh, YouTube page. Check that out. Lots of good messages. His website. There's some, some of his writings on there you can check out. And check out his book, um, Heart Touchers, Life-Changing Stories of Faith, Love, and Laughter. I'll have a link to that uh, by Amazon. And uh, Michael's also written for a whole bunch of like the chicken noodle for chicken soup for the soul thing or whatever those books are. Uh, he has, as, as you've heard here, he's got a masterful talent at storytelling. So uh, an inspiration, you want to read some of those, those would be good for your soul. Um, so thank you, Michael, and thank you again for you, for your listenership, and we're continued, the, the podcast continues to grow. That's really encouraging, but it continues to grow as you share it. So share this with your friends, uh, like us on uh, or give us a good rating on iTunes and or whatever you're listening to. Shoot that out to your friends. It, it, it's a blessing to us. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Basic Biblecast, and you can email us Basic Bible Podcast at gmail.com. Email questions you have, show topics you might have, any comments you want to leave. We'll take a look at those uh, questions for the Raining and Ray podcast. We'll, we'll take those as well. And then, yeah, it's all on the website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. So next week, we'll jump right back into our panel discussion about Calvinism. And that'll be a two-part episode, so you, you won't want to miss that. It's going to be great. So until next time, have a great rest of your week.